0: Welcome to the show. In this episode, I have a conversation with Anchorage comedian John Norris. John's parents were pastors for the Salvation Army, so a good portion of his upbringing was spent moving around. He says that in order to make friends in these new places, you could either be good at sports or be funny. John chose to be funny. He says that he doesn't exactly remember a defining moment that really pushed him toward comedy, but that he listened to a lot of comedy albums as a kid, and watched a ton of stand-up on Comedy Central. Then, when he was about 23, he did his first open mic at the Woodshed, a bar in Anchorage that has since closed. It's been about 10 years since that first open mic, and he's still at it, the difference being, now he's an integral part of the local comedy scene. Okay. Time to give The Crude Company men a shout-out. These are the people who have subscribed to The Crude Patreon for $50 or more. Trina Duber, Seward Brewing Company, The Grind Coffee Shop in Juneau, Derek Adolf, Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Carly Mortensen, and Alaska Surf Adventure. Thank you to all The Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. This podcast wouldn't be possible without you. If you subscribe to the Crude Patreon, thank you. Your money helps keep these conversations going. So if you enjoy these conversations, you can subscribe at www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. That's patreon.com slash crude magazine. And pick the subscription tier that works for you. Okay, back to John Norris. John likes to make people laugh, but more importantly, he likes to watch his friends make people laugh. His experience in the Alaska stand-up scene, telling jokes, hanging out and laughing with friends, and opening up for headliners, is something he wants to share with other fans of comedy. So he started Barebones Comedy, a small promotion company that's trying to bring comedians up to Alaska. The idea is to establish a consistently funny show that features headliners and local comedians. So here he is, John Norris. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude Conversations. Listen more than you talk.
1: Go to work! Okay, so who is this? Uh, Nate Bergazzi is one of my favorite comedians, and he has a bit about going back in time and uh, actually like being worse off than he would be today. Cause <laughs> he'd be trying to explain something like, uh, yeah, this uh, we have this cell phone. I don't know how it works, but it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just love the idea of like, we all think about going back in time and be like, I'll get rich immediately. Cause I'm smarter than everybody, but really we don't know how anything works. And we just float through this life. That
0: reminds me of this conversation I had with uh, a pastor. His name is Pastor Kent, and I talked to him on a previous- uh, Is he a youth pastor or a regular pastor? He's a regular pastor. He's awesome. But he was talking about a philosopher and the difference between, I think it was knowledge and intelligence. And he's like, I have more knowledge than like Plato or Socrates. He's like, but I'm not nearly as smart as they are. And so I think maybe- Little bit of what I'm reading into that is like, you're having one of these people that have a lot of knowledge, but lack of smartness being sent back in
1: time. Yeah. I mean, we all know so much cause we all have the internet and we can look up anything immediately, but like, we don't have to actually learn stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, great. <laughs> I'm in no risk of being sent back in time and I don't want to learn stuff. So this is perfect for me. I live in the right time. But if you had to go back in time. If I had to? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, what's the way to, what is the question? What would I do? Where
0: would you go? What would you do?
1: I'd be... I feel like I'd get picked off immediately. Like, they would know something is wrong with me. I'd probably get sent to some sort of, like, uh, depending on what era this is, like, some sort of mental asylum or like a sanatorium a sanatorium <laughs> or even if it was further back to some pit where they threw crazy people <laughs> Just like a hole in the ground just thrown down there somebody would eat me because uh, i don't think i'd be able to blend in very well i think i would not get the uh like the the accent down <laughs> you wouldn't be able to blend I would, in. I wouldn't be able to blend in at all. I'd immediately be like, wow, it really smells like piss and shit around here. People be like, what are you talking about? Like, can't you smell that? It stinks. It's <laughs> awful everywhere. People would be like, I showered last year. I don't know what this guy's talking about. <laughs> uh, so I don't think I would last long at all. I like being comfortable. So when we were texting the
0: other day, I asked if you had anything specific you'd like to talk about. And you said, I've got nothing. I don't even know what I do anymore.
1: I mean, Cody, those are private conversations.
0: (laughs) But you followed that up with how you could talk about comedy and getting old. Yeah. Are you one of those people that are enjoying getting older or are you kind of fighting against it?
1: Uh, I definitely like myself more now As I've been getting older, I'm 35 now and I can just uh, like, i like myself more as a person and I'm less uh, self-critical about myself, Um, but I'm still trying to like better myself. I'm trying to work out more and not, not die. So, you know, I'm not against getting old, um, but I also would like to be young again. (laughs) Kind of like if you knew then what you know now. Yeah, I'm not even sure I really know much more though. Uh huh. Just more <laughs> am, comfortable. Yeah, I just like have way more self confidence now than I did when I was like in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm much happier just like being in my own skin, and I'm like not constantly comparing myself to other people. Even though I still do that, but not as much as in my 20s, where I was like super insecure and my uh, I felt like. In my twenties, my entire uh, way of life was trying to like get people to like me, and uh, I don't know, it worked pretty well. I had a lot of friends for a while.
0: <laughs> I I was really excited about turning thirty because twenties are difficult. Like you're you're trying to figure out who you are, uh, your identity, who you are professionally. And you're just kind of like meandering through the cruel world. And by the time you hit 30, I don't know what it was. Maybe I just expecting it to be this way. So it turned into like this self-fulfilled prophecy. But once I hit 30, I was like, I had that same feeling where I was like, I'm I'm comfortable with myself. I'm comfortable with my abilities. I'm comfortable with the things that I'm good at and the things that I'm not good at.
1: Yeah, I definitely like noticed a real shift in like, like wondering if people... Thought I was cool or if they thought I was funny or if they liked me and now I for the most part don't care which is weird because I still do comedy which is a desperate act to get people to like me but I like don't I care a lot less in social situations and I uh, I like being in my 30s I feel good I feel healthy I feel uh you know other than like I look tired all the time and I have like mystery hip pain, like now I've, I'm convinced I need a new hip, but other than that i uh, I feel pretty good. I like being in my thirties. It's all right.
0: yeah, yeah, I do too. so let's let's get into talking about comedy. Let's talk about comedy. So when did you decide that you
1: wanted to do stand-up? um i don't I don't like remember a moment where I like decided. I wanted to do stand-up. I'd always wanted to do it. I'd always really like loved it. Um, from watching uh Comedy Central specials. Uh when I was growing up, they always had those like the comedy half hour special and premium blend and like shows like that. So I saw just like all the stand-up I could possibly see. Listen to a lot of albums when I was when I was younger. And then uh, when I moved to Anchorage, I had like seen some open mics and it was so probably my early twenties, I like really wanted to do comedy and I went to open mics and I saw local comedians and uh, I'm a real asshole. So like I see people and I'm like, oh, I could do that. I'm like way better than this person. <laughs> like pff, what is, what, what is this garbage <laughs> is what I thought of people uh, who are now my very close friends. And so I'd like, just wanted to do it for a while. And at the, at the woodshed, uh, which is now some other bar, and they used to do an open mic in the downstairs of the woodshed. And I i think it was, a, I'd gone once and I couldn't get on because there was too many people or not enough time. Um, or I like didn't have the courage to sign up like fast enough. Mm-hmm. And so I went again and like was determined to go and get on stage and tell some jokes. I wrote like a terrible, um, like three minutes of jokes. And uh, I did it and it went really well. At least in my mind, it went well. Like, in reality, it probably didn't go as well as I have, like, like reimagined it. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it went well enough that I, like, got addicted immediately and, like, really wanted to keep doing it. Um, you
0: didn't completely bomb?
1: No. Which I would later do many, many times, but not that time. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that's, like, the thing that sets apart people that, like, do stand-up comedy for too long or long enough, if they're successful, is like when you do it, you like know immediately that you really like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, you know, will keep keep doing it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I, since then, I just have been doing it pretty pretty regularly.
0: Since the woodshed.
1: Yeah, I think I was probably like 24 when I did that. Do
0: you remember any of those jokes?
1: Uh, It's really classy stuff. Like, the differences between how men and women masturbate and stuff like that. Like it's really-
0: Super classy. They've,
1: they've aged well. I, st- <laughs> I still think it's a good joke about how like, <laughs> it's, it's just no, it's a terrible joke, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Uh, about how like how uh, women in my mind, when I like had super little experience of women, I was like, uh, they like light candles, draw a nice bath, have a really nice evening about their masturbation sessions. And men are just like, in a rock quarry, lighting a firework and trying to race the wick. Like we're just out there just trying to get it done as fast and dirty as possible. Uh, so it was like that, but I probably stretched that out for like three and a half minutes and it was great. Yeah. And everybody wrote about it. A brand new comedy voice has hit the scene, everybody.
0: In all the papers. Yeah. And,
1: okay. <laughs> this is the time of uh, old media just really covering the standup scene pretty closely.
0: And you said that that's when you kind of uh, caught the bug.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Like it was, it was, uh, really rewarding, um, in a way that other things weren't. And at the time I had already been doing like, um, making short films and stuff locally and doing a lot of stuff with the film community. And, uh, it was like the complete opposite of making short films, which I really like love to do. But comedy was like that immediate, like, the immediate response of people laughing at your joke just felt so good. It was like it it was like as far as like artistic reward goes for me, I think it was like what I'd imagine like heroin would be. You're like immediately you're like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. And it was like so much less work than making a short film. It was not <laughs> like uh, weeks of trying to get people to take time off work to like act in your movie and writing and like getting a location and shooting and editing and then you get it and you're like, that is terrible. This was like, I thought of jokes on the way to the show. I told these jokes, people laughed at them, and it felt good, like immediately. And uh, that was like, I don't know, ever since then, I was like, oh, well, I'll probably just keep doing this for a while.
0: Do you feel like you're good
1: at reading a room? Uh, I'm better now. Like, I feel like I'm better at it now. Then it wasn't like when you're starting, it's not so much as it's not very important when you're starting, because when you're starting, you don't have that confidence on stage. Uh, you So you're just like super nervous, your heart's beating, and you're just trying to like remember uh, what you were going to talk about. You're just trying to like hit the bullet points of like what these jokes were that you set apart. And then uh, as I've done it longer, I started to notice that I start like thinking less and less about like what I'm going to say, because I am sometimes more prepared or at least more confident on stage that it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I know if it goes poorly, I'm not going to like have to crawl into a cave.
0: When you have a lot more experience now, so you can kind of maybe draw from a bigger pool of jokes.
1: Yeah, definitely. I definitely have like stuff I can fall back on. And also I just, I feel more comfortable on stage. So if it's not going well, it's still fun for me because I can just see how like terrible it'll go. And that's like, so I'm, I'm less worried about what the crowd thinks, but at the same time, I am better at, at like noticing how a joke goes. I think a common, like uh, beginner open mic mistake um, is people will just keep hammering the same joke that is like not worked at all ever. And they just keep doing it and they'll make, sometimes they make little changes, sometimes they make no changes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's never going to work. <laughs> so please, please stop. You know, I was talking to
0: someone, I think it was last week, about bombing on a joke. So, a stand-up comedian bombs on a joke in a city, and then that becomes a part of the joke. Because when they go to, say, Milwaukee or wherever, you know, they're like, oh, I was in British Columbia last week, and, you know, that joke didn't kill, and this is what they thought of it, and blah, blah, blah. But it becomes kind of like almost this meta joke that is better because of that bombing.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of times those jokes work the best when they can say like, Oh, I told this joke, um, you know, about, (laughs) I don't know. I think it works best when you're like, Oh, I told a joke about how dumb Southern people are in the South and it didn't work. And like people are like, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Um, And a lot of times I think like when you're a touring comedian, like you don't, you have to like find stuff to tell jokes about while you're on tour because you don't have the same normal kind of life people do anymore Mm -hmm. um, for the most part. So I think you see a lot of those like, here's a story about when I was on tour.
0: And some people are much better about that than others. I saw uh, Dave Chappelle when he was here and you could tell that I'm sure he had lots of stuff written down. But he was also riffing. You know, he started talking about, um, made a bunch of uh, actually like tasteful jokes about Fairbanks. You know, because people can rip on other cities in Alaska, but yeah. he he was super tasteful about it and respectful. Yeah, he and told, it was still
1: funny. He told like great stories about like people taking him out shooting and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fairbanks, yeah. and uh, it was some people like obviously Dave Chappelle is a legend, mm-hmm. and he's just super funny he's one of my favorite comics because it just it he does just seem like everything is coming off the top of his head and it'll like get to a funny place even if it doesn't start funny like you like just have that confidence that he is gonna like take it to a funny spot and Mm -hmm. like audience is like willing to go wherever with him uh that's it's pretty amazing so did you see sticks and stones yes that's Mm -hmm. that's his latest one right
0: yeah the one that's uh that, you know, lots of critics are saying was too harsh.
1: Yeah. What did you think? I don't know. Is this some sort of got you podcast where you're trying to bust me? Oh, oh no, no, <laughs> no, no. We
0: don't have to talk about <laughs> no, it. No, I, uh, and I, I guess, I guess my question should be it's not specifically about Dave Chappelle, it's about, uh, using comedy to talk about
1: difficult subjects. Um, I mean, I wasn't offended by anything, but I don't really get offended by stuff. And I don't think that, I think if you are offended, that's kind of that's kind of the point. And you gotta be able to like laugh at the reason why you're offended, I guess. And you have to like realize it's a comedy show. He's not like up there passing legislation. Mm-hmm. He's not I mean, he's just kind of commenting on how like a lot of people feel, I think, depending on depending on whatever bit. And if a comedian's talking about like how he feels, that's how he or she feels. And if it offends you, like, all right. Maybe <laughs> that's a that's a personal thing. That's how you feel. That's how you feel. Um, but that's like art. If somebody paints a picture that you disagree with, do you like tear it down from the museum? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. That's I guess that's how I feel about it. I I just think we live in an outrage culture where people like to be upset because it gives them ammo to like talk about things online mm-hmm. or to talk about things and their with their families and friends. Um, but I don't know. People are mad, but being mad at somebody isn't going to change anything. Like, if you want to make change in the world, you have to, like, be an example. Uh, If you want tolerance, be tolerant of people. If you want uh, higher wages, open a business and pay people more. Like, I think there's only so much being mad on Twitter and Facebook can do to change the world. Yeah, I totally agree. That's how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like I agree with you. Nobody cares how I feel. (laughs) So getting back to...
0: Kind of why you got into stand-up. You mentioned the woodshed. Um, but I always feel like there's a moment like in your childhood where you realize that you had a knack for making people laugh. Like everybody kind of comes from that foundation.
1: Um funny I mean, people, I should say. Uh there's not like a moment that like stands out to me where like a light shined down on me and I was like, Oh yes, comedy. Um, but I think just growing up, I was like not good at sports. Uh, we moved around a lot. So I had to like make friends and I, I mean, I don't know, it's probably, it's a pretty common (laughs) way to make friends if you're not athletic is to be funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would just try to be funny and make people laugh. And that's, that's probably just carried over into my adult life. And then when I reached a point where I was like, all right, well, I don't (laughs) really want to make people laugh in my like personal life that badly anymore where I'm like I need friends somebody be my friend but I still like the uh adrenaline rush of like seeing if i can amuse people on a stage if that makes sense
0: yeah for sure I mean especially if if it's a path that you've chosen to take and if it's kind of your release then you're gonna continue doing that especially like we were talking about earlier if you've gotten to a certain point in your life where okay this is my identity I'm comfortable with this identity I'm gonna keep doing this because this is me
1: yeah and i think now i've like reached that point where i've been doing stand-up comedy for like i don't know 10 years off and on to like varying degrees of like committedness uh and i'm like kind of reaching that point where i'm like all right well i'm not even trying to be like a professional comedian anymore like how long do i keep doing this do i end up being that old guy who keeps showing up like So I'm kind of at that point, like, well, how long, like, why, why am I still doing this? Uh, And all I've really come to is I still really like doing it. And I really like the uh, community. As cheesy as that sounds, like I really, all of my like really good friends now, like most of my really good friends are also comedians and tell jokes at the open mics. And I don't know why any of us do it, but I like hanging out with them. You know, what's interesting about that thought is There are a few,
0: well, there's probably more than a few kind of career paths that turn into kind of hobbies as you get older um, that as a society, we've kind of told these people that are pursuing those things that they're not adult. You need to grow up, right? Like, but if they've turned into a hobby, why, how is that any different than say somebody who plays chess? Like nobody who grew up playing chess is like, maybe one day I'm going to stop doing this because I need to grow up.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm starting to kind of like adopt like a community theater feeling about it. Like we go t- to uh, some community theater shows in town and we were at um, ACT and I was just like these actors, like, I don't know, for the most part, I don't really know them, but I don't think any of them like feel like they're about to get called up to like do a big Broadway show or anything. They just like doing it. It's their like creative output. It's a good release for them. From their like normal lives mm-hmm. to go and like work hard to be in this play and produce a good play, hopefully. Uh and I think like, I don't know, maybe stand-up comedy can be the same thing. Uh hopefully it's good enough that people keep coming to the shows. Um, but like it doesn't I don't know. It feels like one of those things where it's like, well, if you're not trying to like go on tour through the American Southwest in like Zany's comedy clubs, like why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't know. I guess I just, I like doing it. I like, I like hanging out with the people that do it. So I don't know. But in my mind, I'm, I'm still like always asking myself, like, why are you doing this?
0: You know, you look at certain entertainers, certain comedians, and it's not out of the realm of possibilities that you can kind of break through like in your forties, in your fifties. You know, that's not, that's not outrageous to
1: think. Sure. Um, And if like, if some comedy club in Kansas city was like, we want you to come down and do a weekend and we will pay you. I would be like, oh, sure. (laughs) I will definitely do that. But I uh, am also not about to like uproot my life to go uh, live in a van and like go through comedy clubs through like the Dakotas. Mm -hmm. Like that's not the lifestyle I want. And I don't think... I don't, I just don't want to do that. And I, but at the same time, I don't think I'm like, I'm not delusional enough to think I'm funny enough to just go like move to New York or LA and be like, all right, big time. I'm here. I'm ready to do this. Where's my agent. I wonder if that's more of a young man's game, you know, I think so. Or it's like a starting your life over type of game where you're like, "Uh, all right, I wasn't, I was an accountant or I was a computer programmer for, 20 years and now I'm ready to like find something more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I don't know. I want to, I would like just to have like a real life and to have, uh, you know, a creative side where I do creative things like make short films and do comedy without having to like, be like, all right, goodbye, old life. It's time to, it's time to start a new real life where I get famous. Cause that's what we all want. We all just want to be famous. So until you get there, and you're like, wait, this is being famous. I know. And then you're like, oh, why are these people with cameras following me? Just because this is the thing I wanted all my life and worked for? This is embarrassing.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you said that
1: you've been doing this for ten years. Yeah, um, it makes me sad when I think about <laughs> when when I put a number on it. I'm like, oh man, I, I don't such see a how long that, time. How could that make you sad? Because it just it went by so fast, you know. It doesn't, it's just like, oh, how, like how? I don't feel like that much of a different person. So when I look back on something, I'm like, man, 10 years, like feels like just yesterday. And that makes me feel old.
0: Well, just like we brought up earlier about how, when you were younger, you got up there, you didn't know, you were nervous, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't know how to read a room. Now you get up there and you're more comfortable. Cause like I said earlier, you have a, a larger pool to draw from, but I think that, it's very difficult uh especially presently to to look back and be like okay that's where I was 10 years ago and see how far
1: you've come from that moment. Yeah, but it's not like <laughs> it's not like I like look at myself like now like I'm like oh I'm so uh my, I'm so much funnier now, my jokes are better now. I just think I give less fucks now. Uh-huh. Where I'm just like all right, you can laugh or not laugh. I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk for five minutes. That's the beauty of being in your 30s. Yeah, you know, I think that you just give that many less fucks. Yeah, I think I was uh much funnier like three years ago, and then I'm I'm on a I'm on the the downslope right now. Maybe I'll go up again. Maybe it's a uh, comes in waves. But uh, I just feel like it's less intimidating now because I'm more uh comfortable with myself and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I guess. Do you have a like a goal
0: that's, that's realistic to you. I don't know. Maybe it's transitioned throughout your experience with comedy, but that you still have that. You're like, okay, I can achieve that. And I want to achieve, you know, that one thing. That's my goal.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of gone from like wanting to do my own comedy and like writing jokes. Cause now I write jokes when I kind of feel like writing them and I'm not working on like, a a comedy album or anything. But right now what I'm really doing is just trying to like support the scene in Anchorage and try to make it better. And so I started a a comedy promotions company, Bare Bones Comedy, where I'm bringing up comics, headliners from um, the lower 48 to do shows, to try to give uh, not only myself, but like the other comics um, in town, like opportunities to actually open for a headliner. Because that's kind of how I started uh, for competing to like open for people at Coots. Because Coots, uh, my friend Greg Shaley used to bring up comics at Coots regularly, like every month, sometimes twice a month. And he would have all of us open micers kind of compete at an open mic to open for them. And so um, a lot of the people like Matt Collins and Cass Smiley and Matt Bergoon – and Rudy ascot we got funnier by having to like compete against each other and write new stuff to try to like you know get the the coots blessing to to like perform in front of people who actually paid to be there mm-hmm. and it was like a big deal um and it made us i think it made us better and made the community the comics community stronger and so i like just want to try to make that happen again um by bringing up people and doing my own shows and that's that's my current goal is try to like produce a consistent comedy show that people will come out to and like give it give it a chance if it's even if it's a headliner that you've never heard of just like have some faith that it's going to be a funny show because these local people that you've maybe seen before are at least funny enough so it won't be a complete waste just come out and like see the show so are you having all of your friends compete against each other um only in my mind like they don't know <laughs> yeah. it usually so I'm not like I, I should get a throne and just like sit up there in a toga, just like giving people a <laughs> thumbs up or a thumbs down. Um, you know, but I, I do try to notice if somebody's like working on new stuff that's going well, or if somebody, if a new person um, is, who is not complete garbage and that we like personally, <laughs> like is doing well, I want to like try to um, get them to keep doing it. I will try to give them a spot. And so I've done four or five shows. So far, um, and the last one I did was like in the summer, which was a complete disaster because nobody wants to go to a comedy show in the summer in Alaska, especially like this last summer we had where every day was like 85 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I am talking to some comics now and we're trying to bring up some people uh, starting in like January. So I will once again have uh, open micers competing for my affection.
0: Is there a difference between being a comic in Alaska versus anywhere else?
1: Mm, Yeah. I think maybe it's harder to get exposure up here, I guess, because I think the comedy world is really based on like relationships and meeting other comics. Um, And so we're not really like um, a really regular stop for comedians who are – doing comedy clubs and touring. So there's less opportunities to do comedy up here that aren't kind of like self-made. And so that's, you know, one thing that makes it harder. Uh, But I think we have a pretty tight community and that might be because we live in Alaska and we all know each other um, and we do the same open mics every week. Uh, in, In bigger cities, it's maybe not that way. And if you're you know, if you can leave to go to LA from, if you like live in Sacramento and you're like, I'm one of the funniest people in Sacramento, I'm just going to go to LA now. You Mm -hmm. like go and do that. But here it's like a big change to be like, well, I'm moving to LA from, I said LA really weird. (laughs) I'm I'm moving to LA from Alaska. It's like, like basically a lifestyle change of like pretty big magnitude to move from up here. Um, so maybe it maybe it's helped keep us all kind of like more competing against each other and making each other laugh. And is that after
0: kind of the realization of I don't really care about making this a big thing.
1: This is just something that really just feeds my soul. Um I mean, yeah, maybe I can't really speak for other the other comics, um but I think, you know, some people do leave to go to Chicago. Um, our friend Rudy just moved to Chicago to kind of try to chase some comedy dreams, um, and he's super funny, and I, he's probably going to do really well. Um, but it's, a, it's like a commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to try to make a go of, like, actually getting paid to be a professional comedian, you have to, like, make some sacrifices in your life. Um, and I don't know. For myself, I'm, like, happy just to, like, make people that I find funny laugh. Like, that's just – I like hanging out after the show. Um, that's like the best part. Uh, so, I mean, I like I like that part about it. And I think we have that here.
0: What's that like after the show, the after hangout session?
1: Um, Well, what generally happens is I drink way too many beers and I talk <laughs> way too loudly and I lose my voice like immediately. Uh, but it, it's fun. We just hang out around a table and it's kind of like, I don't know, hanging out with your friends in high school where you're all kind of like making fun of each other, but like, nobody's taking it personally. It's just kind of like seeing who can like make fun of each other, uh, the best. Mm -hmm. It's like a competition and, uh, or it's like, you know, talking about people's jokes and coming up with like different tags, different endings for people's jokes and bits. Um, and just, you know, generally being, uh, being very catty and talking about other people, very gossipy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I don't. I like it. We we do dumb riffs that <laughs> make no sense to us, uh, but they make us laugh. And then we keep talking about them for months in our Twitter chats, in our Facebook Messenger chats, and we bring them up all the time. You okay? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was just burping. <laughs> just over here puking. It was, it, was, it was a very emotive burp. I was like, oh no, it's happening. Cody's being sick. I heard that's one of Terry Gross's. Uh, interview techniques is to throw up during the interview. <laughs> she just blow chunks. Yeah. yeah, they cut it out of every interview, but like every interview <laughs> she does, she just vomits in her lap and then just like wipes her mouth and stares at the person she's interviewing.
0: Well, that's why I heard that she's doing more and more remote <laughs> yeah. interviews.
1: Yeah. She's a puke bucket in her lap.
0: <laughs> so what kind of comedy uh, do you think you were influenced by as a kid? Uh, I don't... And I guess maybe to to be more specific, was it stand-up, sketch comedy, movies? And, and the reason I ask this question is because when I was a kid, uh, I was all about Jim Carrey. And then as I got older, I started watching more stand-up. So Eddie Murphy's Delirious was like a defining piece of storytelling for me. Uh, it showed me like how funny and entertaining one person on a stage can be. Like those two comedians, Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy, uh, have influenced so much of who I am as far as like comedy and timing goes and even like ways to look at the world. Do you have any comedians or pieces of comedy like that, that have kind of become a part of who you are?
1: Um, when I was a kid, I was definitely watching a lot of kids in the hall, uh, Yeah, I watched a lot of Kids in the Hall because it was it was just one of those things that was like always on uh, Comedy Central. Mm -hmm. And I just and I thought it was so funny. But sometimes they'd have these sketches that like were not funny. They were just like really weird. Like there's one about a guy who steals sausages from a factory (laughs) because he lives at home and takes care of his like old like senile uh, father who's always asking for sausages. (laughs) And so the guy like works at a sausage company is like stealing sausages from work and bringing them to his father. Who's like never had enough sausage. And then it's like, that's like the whole thing. And I just thought like stuff like that was like so funny and so weird. Uh, I was really drawn to stuff like that. Um, I think stand up wise, I remember watching, um, a lot of the Eddie Murphy stuff, a lot of, uh, uh, I remember in high school, like the, my favorite, my favorite comedy special in high school was Martin Lawrence's run, tell that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, That went to theaters. So funny. Yeah. It was so, it was huge. He was a huge star. Yeah. Um, I guess he still is. Uh, (laughs) Bad boys four. (laughs) Yeah. But I love that. I love that special so much. And I would crack up and me and my friends would like constantly be like doing those bits and being like, "When you got to have the water. And that water was glistening off your body. And like, <laughs> we were just like, like, oh, I still lose it. Uh, yeah. So Martin Lawrence, um, any, yeah, any like HBO comedy special that was on George Carlin, mostly just because I like, like how like confident he was mm-hmm. and how like clearly how much work he puts into like everything he writes. Mm-hmm. uh. So he wasn't my favorite comedian, but I like definitely like responded to like that work ethic and like how he would put it together. It's almost like somebody like wrote the stuff that they are saying. Mm-hmm. Cause like you watch Martin Lawrence, you're like, he's just like super funny. Mm-hmm. But then you watch like George Carlin and you're like, Oh, you have to like work really hard <laughs> and write stuff and have ideas. um. And it, it so it kind of like pulled the curtain back slightly on like, how to actually do it so as far as
0: movies comedy movies or because you, you mentioned a few stand-ups there yeah
1: um i don't i've watched everything i've watched like i watched a bunch of movies comedy movies uh i think when i was i think in middle school or high school my favorite was um there's something about mary and the fairly brother stuff like kingpin yeah like, I just watched Kingpin, like, two days ago, and it's still, like, one of the funniest movies ever made. It's unbelievable. It's so funny. Bill Murray's so funny in that movie. Yeah. That is the funniest Bill Murray has ever been in a movie is Kingpin. Oh. <laughs> I still Don't say people got
0: life. got Munsoned.
1: Yeah, you got Munsoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, up the creek without a battle, Munsoned. <laughs> uh, I just love that. I love the beginning when he... Woody Harrelson's eating in the diner with Big Urn, and he like, it's like tells him to go eat his soup outside. And then he's like talking to the girls in the booth. And he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" No, not you. Hey, you. How you doing? And, oh, it's so good.
0: Yeah, that movie. I feel
1: like that movie is an underappreciated. It is in this day and age. Kids, kids out there listening to this, all of you young kids listening to this podcast for some reason, I'm sorry, your your phone is broken and it's just playing this podcast, uh, but you should go watch Kingpin.
0: So we are talking about comedians, and I think that if you're a comedian talking about comedians, I feel like that conversation has a tendency to veer toward this dichotomy of being funny, but also struggling with depression why do you think there's such a strong connection between comedy and depression?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think people are depressed in all walks of life, but it's like <laughs> it's pretty prevalent in comedy. Maybe because of uh, what I talked about before of just that like the endorphins you get from doing it is a good like escape from it. Um, and it's really like generally as an art form, basically like looking at yourself really closely Mm -hmm. and talking about yourself or your experiences or your point of view. Um, And I think maybe when you're depressed, you have a tendency to look like inside at yourself, maybe not through a a healthy lens, but you're, you are like taking complete stock of your life. Um, So maybe there's some connection there. Uh, But I don't know. I've met, (laughs) I don't know. You, You can't really tell if somebody's depressed, but I've met like comedians who are obviously struggling through stuff and some that are very happy people Um, but I don't know it's kind of a thing with all artists right like a lot of people use uh, art no matter what kind to escape whatever demons they're running from Mm -hmm. um, or trying to like you know uh, evaluate those demons and I think writing comedy is really good for that (laughs) it's uh, because you know it gives you that release it's funny Um, People find dark stuff funny, generally, like a dark sense of humor is pretty common. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to write dark stuff, it helps to be in a dark state of mind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not depressed, you should get depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Write some jokes.
0: I've always found there to be kind of this relationship between like addiction and um, like being a workaholic. I think is is maybe one way to put it. Because if, say, you are a drug addict or you are an alcoholic and you are attempting to get away from those things, you find a hobby and you become like manic about that hobby, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't think this is true for every comedian, but it seems like it's pretty plausible for some comedians that they are uh, have a tendency to throw their entire self into a thing. So if they're going to be... If they're going to take drugs. They're going to take all the drugs, right? And if they are trying to be healthier because they want to stay alive, they're going to throw their entire self into, you know, the craft of comedy. Or like you said earlier, art.
1: Yeah. I th- I have a, uh, I have a really good friend who struggled, is struggling, has struggled with addiction. And one of the ways, you know, he kind of like – tried to overcome it was by throwing himself into these like weird hobbies like uh <laughs> like he built a um what's it called what's the oven called where you melt metal like a oh a, a very hot oven where you melt he, he built one and he started like making Is it a smelter Yeah, he built a smelter of like propane tanks and stuff and on his roof of his house was uh making like metal uh figurines or whatever he was just melting stuff so he did that for a while um and you know it's i think that's one like you're completely right when you are trying to overcome one addiction you have to like keep your mind busy with something so people will throw themselves into it i mean i don't it seems like people are pretty able to do comedy and drugs and alcohol at the same time Mm, so i mean uh it i think it's i don't know maybe it's just show business is it lends itself to catering to people's addictions i mean when you really only you know when you write and you work for an hour a night like you have a lot of time to do whatever you want so i don't know it's probably not the healthiest thing
0: yeah there i go no puking oh, again boy
1: dude i know it's a good answer when cody pukes <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i don't know i don't really feel like i i don't really feel like a comedian I'm just a person who likes hanging out with comedians. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't know. I just, I think that's like my main thing is I just like hanging out with funny people. And this has been a vehicle for me to hang out with funny people. I think my friends are the funniest people. Uh, And, you know, I just, I like doing that. I like being able to support them. And I like, uh, I like doing that. I think it's, I think it's been fun. It's been healthy for me. I don't know about anybody else. Do you have any
0: stories? I, I texted you earlier and asked you about stories that are maybe kind of emblematic of your experience in comedy here in Alaska.
1: Um, I mean, probably. Uh, we've done. All right. So I guess I don't know. These aren't great stories, but we've done some like road shows. I've done it, I've gone out a couple, like a group of us will go out. Uh, we went to Kenai and did a show at like an el. I think it was an Elks Lodge or some sort of lodge where we were just like ready for it to be a terrible show. Cause we do, we do open mics and like bars where they don't want us. We're used to doing shows in like bars where people are like, well, why are these people talking to a microphone right now? <laughs> the worst. Uh, and so we were like, we're driving down to Kenai. We're like, all right, it's There's probably going to be a bunch of people who like do not want to see us there and are going to be very mad that we're telling our jokes, but we will go and get our free drinks and then we will go back to the hotel they're providing for us. It'll be very nice. And we went and we were like so shocked. Like the people that were there were there to see comedy and because they live in Kenai, like not nobody goes down there to do shows and they were just happy to have anything. Mm-hmm. And they laughed and they loved us and they were like, people were buying us drinks Um, And that was a super fun night and was like exactly why I started doing this because uh, I got to tell uh, stories and jokes that made people laugh. I got to see my friends make people laugh and we got to party all night with these people in Kenai and it was such a long night. I think I slow danced with Matt Collins. (laughs) Uh, We ended up going (laughs) like I think Cass was our DD and drove us to like Taco Bell, uh, which was like at least an hour away. I don't even know how far Taco Bell is from Kenai, but we it was, it was a blast. And, uh, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere there is like pictures and video evidence of it somewhere. I feel like that's one of those moments that,
0: uh, when you're, when you're older and you're kind of sitting on your porch
1: with a rocking chair, uh, just with the rocking chair, not even on just it. Just with the rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the, I'm sitting on the, on the porch cause my rocking chair is not really weight bearing and I put on some pounds in this, in this story. So you're on your rocking chair <laughs> and you're kind of uh kind of looking back
0: meditating on your life and thinking about all these uh hopefully great things but you'll think of that memory as like that's kind of what it was all about. You know, if you think about making it big as a comedian, you like you want to travel around with your friends. You want to you want to like have some have some good times. You want to party with likable strangers. You know, that's that's kind of what it's all about. But then at the end of the day, you didn't have to – you got all of the rewards and none of the – kind of the drawbacks, You know, none of the paparazzi, none of that stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to be rich and I would love to if – like if Netflix is listening and wants to take a chance on uh, somebody who really has like a shaky 10-minute set and they want to expand that to an hour, like call me. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, but, you know, honestly, like – I think for the amount of talent I have, I've reached a good level of, of, uh, comedy. Like I like what I'm doing. I like the people I do it with. Um, and it's been really fun for the last 10 years. So I'm really happy about that. And I want to hopefully just keep doing it and keep doing shows in Anchorage and hopefully like more and more people come out and check out shows. Is there a memory
0: you kind of go back to when times get tough? Something that reinforces your pursuit of comedy? No, nothing.
1: <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, I I do go through like periods of like, you know, not going up so much just because I'm trying to like. I'll go through stages of, um, like, reevaluating what my voice is on stage or what the things I'm talking about. So I'll just go through stages of like going up every other week or something and then it'll ramp back up to like three times a week um and it's not like a memory that pulls me out of it usually i'll just think of something funny usually if like i'm driving and something pops into my head and i'm like oh that's a bit like i gotta go Mm -hmm. i will go to open mic tonight um so it's not like if it's if it's hard or not fun i just don't do it i guess that's the beauty of a hobby You're in your thirties. I'm in my thirties. Like (laughs) I'm living 30 and flirty. I I don't have to do stuff I don't want to do. So if it's hard, like, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard in a, in a way that you like, know you should go do it. Cause you're just like, ah, I feel like, eh, it feels like stiff. It feels like not that like, I'm nervous about it. That's when you should go do it. Mm -hmm. But if it's like, ugh, this is a real chore. Like I sometimes just feel like it's good to take a break. And like, you know, and luck, luck, like nothing – so sometimes I take a break, but it hasn't turned into like quitting. There's a lot of things that I've like taken a break from and then just never did again. So this – I've never had that with comedy. Yeah. But I wish I had a I wish I was like, oh, man, that one crowd. I just got to get back to that one crowd. Tonight's the night. What about that <laughs> Kenai crowd? That Kenai crowd. I don't remember them. I <laughs> I think they like the show. Uh, just uh, – I don't know. Crowds are, crowds are crowds, I guess. Do you think that a... It's not like a real asshole. What's that? Crowds are <laughs> crowds? Crowds are... Ooh, ooh these people, these <laughs> peasants.
0: <laughs> these peons. Um, do you think that it's feasible to have a... In Alaska, do you think it's feasible to have a group, like, say, your crew, and you guys travel throughout the state doing comedy?
1: Um... I mean, yeah, it's totally feasible. It depends on like what magnitude. (laughs) Like, I don't think it'd ever be like a thing where we're just like quitting our jobs because we're touring Alaska. Um, Because, you know, we're, there's a number of us, but, you know, we're gonna not, it takes a long time to write jokes, Mm -hmm. like funny jokes. So, So somebody comes and does like 15 minutes in Fairbanks, in three months, the their next 15 minutes is probably going to be like seven minutes left over from the last the last time they saw them yeah um and it's just expensive to travel around Alaska and you know people it's hard to get people to leave their house it's hard to get people to come out and go to a show this is why I am doing your podcast because I want whoever listens to this to go out to a comedy show um it's and I understand like your house is nice you have uh, everything streaming now mm-hmm. Now every Disney movie streaming, it's hard to drag yourself out. <laughs> uh but go go see a show, go see a bar. Like go, it'll it'll probably be funny. And if it's not, think about how much sweeter it's going to be to go home after it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I say to people. But doing shows even in Anchorage where we have ostensibly a audience of, you know, 300,000 or whatever, like it's hard to get people to go to a show. It's we're lucky if we get 20 people at a show somebody told me recently that they
0: heard from a longtime promoter here in alaska that there are only about um a hundred people that go
1: to things i
0: feel like maybe it was you
1: it's probably me this? Me. yeah i think i think that- this is a made-up fact that i'm telling everybody <laughs> <laughs> i got got <laughs> true story not, I mean I don't know if that's true but it does seem true right anecdotally like yeah we you and I go out to stuff we see stuff and Occasionally. We always, you always see the same people yeah right and uh I love those people because they are the ones like making it possible for people to keep doing shows mm-hmm. but I just feel like there's a lot of other people that would enjoy a comedy show and I and it's like hard to like so with the current shows I'm trying to produce I want I'm starting small so we can hopefully build like a really uh consistent audience so mm-hmm. that I can bring up like bigger name comedians that people may have heard of. And in order to do that, I kinda need people to like take a chance on other people. Um and so it's it's kind of difficult in this town, and maybe it's difficult in every town nowadays to get people to like come out and do something and you know pay money, put on pants, yeah, leave the house. It's a big ask. I get it. I mean I don't know if we live in a world where that is possible, Um, but it's getting – I think it's getting better, and I think more people are kind of trickling out to shows depending on the show. Uh, My friend Cass Smiley produces the Before You Die Comedy Festival, Mm -hmm. and she just did – I think uh, back in April was the first year she'd ever done it, and she started planning – Um, in 2018 and she was asking all of us for like advice or like running ideas past us and we were all like kind of behind her back sort of to her face like this is going to be a big disaster (laughs) you you (laughs) were making a huge mistake you're going to waste so much money and so much time and it's going to be terrible and then in april it was a huge success it was like incredible like 50 comics from the lower 48 all came up here to perform um, Some big names, uh, a lot of like lower, like, you know, maybe open mic level people who were still like super funny because like it's like a film festival where they submit a tape and people go through it and say like, oh, they're funny. Invite them up. Mm-hmm. And it was huge. And the crowds were amazing. Like every night from uh, from like Wednesday to Saturday night, like the the uh, shows were full of audience members, not just comics. Um, and we were all like super impressed, and now like you know we think Cass can do this. We still think she's making giant mistakes, but we love her. And so how do you <laughs> recreate that? I don't know. I, I I need Cass to produce more shows. Um, I don't I don't know. I think people just like something new, uh, and it just I guess a comedy festival felt like a thing to take a chance on more than like a local show. It's just hard to reach people nowadays, mm-hmm. like promoting shows, um, promoting anything, promoting mostly. anything is, is really difficult. My, my girlfriend, Stephanie, who you've had on the podcast, uh, runs pole stance company. Mm-hmm. And like, it is a constant struggle, like to promote any, anything nowadays. Cause there's so much stuff. Um, but I think that it's, it's also difficult to get it out to people.
0: So there's so much static on social media, right? Like that is the primary way that people advertise. Like nobody's reading newspapers. Nobody's watching television.
1: Yeah. But then it feels so like you buy a Facebook or Instagram ad and you pay a bunch of money every day for it to get in front of people. And they say like, oh, look at these numbers. It reached 80,000 people. And you're like, all right. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Like, are they coming to the show? Like, what does this mean? Uh, Do they know about it? It just feels like you're just like throwing money away. I guess that's what advertising is. You just feel like you're throwing money away and you hope that like it's like hit people in the back of their brain. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a really difficult thing to do. And that's why my goal is to just kind of build a consistent comedy show that people like think about and know like every month they're going to go to this show and have a good time.
0: They can rely on it.
1: Yeah. And I like have been really looking at uh, Mr. White Keys and the Will Fat Follies Mm -hmm. as like like how did he do it? Obviously, he did a show aimed at tourists a like very Alaskan, like hacky joke show. Um, and obviously, like ultra successful. He did it for years. Uh, and so I just figure like, you know, no rip on Mr. White Keys or anything. But I'm like, if he can do it with he could do this uh, ostensibly the same show for like 20 years, mm-hmm. like we can put together a funny show that people would like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to like think of ways to make it more of an event and more of like just an all around funny show and then like here like come out for this headliner but then we also have this other stuff going on i don't know exactly what that is yet but i'm i'm hoping it'll be some like maybe roast battles or um debate we've done like debate shows and stuff where we like debate funny subjects and just try to make it more of like a pageant yeah you know i don't know that's my that's my idea i don't know if people want that or if they'll come to the shows um but i hope they i hope they do and if nothing else like it'll be fun for us
0: you know, I think what I've found from starting, you know, starting the magazine, Crude, and then having it morph into this podcast, which I'm able to produce uh, once a week, it's it's about like consistency, right? And being able to put out what I feel like quality material every single week, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's gotten down to a formula, you know, as even even like visually when I'm looking at um, the audio in audition, it's like, okay, there's the intro music. There's the, the intro, there's the, you know, here's the conversation. It's like, so you're just plugging things in. And I think at this point, people just expect that. And so when they tune in, they're just like, oh, it's this again, and it's familiar. And I think that in this day and age, it's about quality and quantity. Was that your stomach they just yeah, growled? Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah, are you hungry? Yeah, I'm, I'm starving. <laughs>
1: I'm dying. We've been in here for 17 hours, Cody. <laughs> Trying to drag any good sound bites out of me is taking all day. <laughs> well, I mean, the door's locked, so we can't even get
0: out. <laughs> I'm gonna dig my way out. I uh, I forgot to tell you this, but this is actually a uh,
1: an escape room. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm. I love puzzles. Here we go. <laughs> First, I'm gonna break this guitar. <laughs> um, John yeah. doesn't understand escape rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just destroy everything, right? <laughs> um, I think you're you're totally right. Consistency is like really important nowadays in building like a, a brand, I guess, and like building any type of show that you want to last for a long time. And it's uh, it's hard because it takes a while to like find your voice and find what you want this product to be. Um, and then, you know, you just got to keep doing it and hope that you'll like hit on something and somebody will find it and people will find it. And they'll go back and be like, Oh man, this is episode 55. You had John Norris on. I love that guy. He's the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I better go back and listen to every single episode of this podcast, which is what's going to happen. Cause this is, you're going to get that John Norris bump where people are like, Oh boy. <laughs> the de- a, John Norris bump. This is a real podcast now. They have John Norris on there. This anonymous guy from Alaska. Very cool. Very cool. Get crude podcast. Get crude podcast. <laughs> I'm changing the name. Get crude podcast. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I just like, you know, I really am at that point where I like really just want to create cool shows for people to go to. And I hope people go to them. Mm hmm. I've been doing that for a a long time. Like I've produced, we've done a bunch of like showcase comedy shows that have been really funny. We did a a murder mystery one um, with Matt Collins. Matt Collins is like my muse. He's super funny Um, and he's like, uh, he's such a creative person and a funny person. And he's like the opposite of me where I will have an idea and I'll just sit on it for way too long. And he will like have an idea and go make it immediately. Like there, he'll just be like, oh, I just thought of a short film. What are you doing tomorrow night? We're filming it. And it's, so I like, I like having people like that, um, in my life that like push me to actually like do something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've done like, we've done funny shows together. Um, and then I've also done, I ran a, a 48 hour film challenge where people had like 48 hours to go film a movie. And I did that for a number of years and it was super successful. So there's like, you know creativity in this town and people are like bursting for the opportunity to go make stuff. Um, So I like, I like being in the position to like make that happen and like help people, you know, give people uh, a mission to go be creative and make something. Cause I think it's important. I think it makes this town cooler. I think it makes life more fun.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, One thing that I've noticed is that um, I'll see things in Anchorage Really starting to kind of flourish, right? And then it kind of goes away. You know, there's this ebb and flow to the city of like new, young, cool talent and then cool things happening. And then a lot, lots of times it kind of goes away because attention doesn't get paid to it.
1: Yeah, it, it's an attention thing, or there's a very common like. <laughs> like people's creativity and their craft outgrow this town. And they're like, well, time to move to Seattle or time to move to Portland. Um, um, or people are just like, you know, I've been doing this a while. I'm not going to make a living. It distracts from a uh, family, distracts from my work. Like I will stop doing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, which is common and, a you know, and like a, if it's, at the end of the day, like if you're not making money doing it and it's a chore, you're going to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, So I just, I'm trying to create, I want to be part of, I don't want to say I'm trying to create cause I'm not, <laughs> I'm just a person who is globbing onto other people's talent and putting on shows. But I, I I want to be part of the environment that um, promotes creativity in all, in all ways. Um, it just says like, you don't, you know, if you're super talented you don't have to leave to go express yourself um and if you are not super talented and you just like doing it and you like being part of the community like you also can do that like so i don't know i think that's my goal that's my message i feel like
0: (laughs) if there's somebody listening to this that wants to be a part of the alaska comedy
1: scene like how would they get into it uh they can just come to an open mic um we have open mics every Wednesday night at Coots uh, at 8 p.m. Um, and then there's also open mics every week at advanced dive bar and um, there's a uh, my friend Angie Stubbs uh, does clean comedy and she does open mics so kind of you gotta look look up black sheep comedy because she kind of does like different days throughout the month at different venues. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're they're super fun and a good way to get started if you're kind of not a filthy person. Uh, but it's, yeah, just come to an open mic, like come and just watch your first one. Um, you'll see that it is, it ranges from like people who are, uh, very funny to people who, uh, are not funny. And that's generally me on most days will <laughs> be like, once you see me, you'll be like, okay, this that's, is not that hard.
0: <laughs> that's how it is at any comedy club.
1: Yeah. You go there and you know, there's 10 people and two of them killed. I've been to open mics all over the country and I can say like, our Anchorage open mics are generally, if not as funny, funnier than than other open mics. Like You go to open mics in LA, it's people who are terrible and it's not supportive. And people like do their set and they leave um, because they're going to another open mic somewhere, but we're just there hanging out because we mm. don't have anything else to do. Um, So it's a good, it's generally good atmosphere. All the comics are for the most part, like really nice and welcoming. If you want to like ask us questions about doing comedy, we're not going to like make fun of you if you come and ask the question because we like want more people to do it we want we want to encourage new people to try it out you know i do my stomach is growling so much
0: so you, we gotta end here soon <laughs>
1: unless you have like, uh, like a like some two-day-old somewhere. <laughs> um no we're almost done open mic starts in 30 minutes
0: does it really yeah okay so we will end here soon um, to end this, after doing comedy for, for 10 years here, is there something that you've taken that, that you've been like, all right, I've learned this from comedy, at least from maybe from doing it in this town. Cause I think that Alaska is a very unique place to, I mean, do a lot of creative endeavors. And I don't think that people who are looking at Alaska, who aren't in Alaska, their mind doesn't go immediately to comedy.
1: Um, I mean, I think it, for me, you like personally, it's definitely helped me appreciate Alaska more, um, because I'm, I'm not like, I'm not a very like Alaskan person. I don't like outdoorsy shit and I don't, <laughs> like, I don't really hunt or fish that much. Like if at all, like I go out if somebody invites me, but I'm not like into it really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm scared of bears. I don't like, so I don't like, I don't like winter. And I also don't like summer because <laughs> I'm either cold or I'm afraid I'm going to attack by a bear. Like that's like, <laughs> my cur- like constant state. And, uh, but being like writing jokes, I realized early on that, like people really like jokes about Alaska. Mm-hmm. Like when I first started, I would see, uh, comics. I would see, um, my friend, Matt Becker would tell, would tell some jokes all about, like, you do like Alaska bits and I'd be like, Phew. Hacky, he's just telling alaska jokes that's why people are laughing and then it took me a while to realize like oh it's not hacky if people are laughing if like people are <laughs> genuinely enjoying the jokes it's really dumb on my part to be like pff, telling those stupid jokes that people <laughs> laugh at um so i try to like pay more attention to what's going on in the community and uh it helps me write jokes that people can connect to better like that's for me personally it's like made me more conscious about what's going on um which has been nice because um, otherwise, I w- probably would just like skate through not noticing stuff and being in my like little uh, silo of what I find interesting. Um, so that's been a really, I think, a positive thing in my life. Um, is that yeah? Is that does that answer the question? Yeah, dude, that was great. Oh, okay. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I think that uh, that about does it. Unless you want to add anything, uh, I really hope anybody who listens to this goes to a comedy show i hope it's good fingers crossed it'll be a good one uh (laughs) it probably will be um and i really would not be doing comedy if it wasn't for people like matt collins and Cass smiley and matt bragoon who um and other people if i didn't name you whatever you're still funny Uh, But I think, I think they are some of the funniest people uh, I know. I think they're like so funny and I don't know what they're doing here. Any of them could go and like have an actual comedy career. Um, So if you get a chance to see any of those people do comedy, I think you should do that. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, John. Thanks for having me, Cody. What a pleasant surprise this was.
0: For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, go to www.patreon.com/crudemagazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcota Beats.